Hello and welcome to You Made Me Watch That, where two film studies professors aim to expand each other's cinematic knowledge one recommendation at a time. I am your co-host, Wickham Flanagan. And I am your co-host, Colleen Kennedy Carpot. This episode, we are discussing the oeuvre and films uh, of the two that we really enjoy, of Ang Lee, the director, focusing on my recommendation of Lust Caution. And my recommendation of Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain. Yes, and we should probably start the episode uh, with uh, a bit of a content warning. Lust Caution, as it happens, is an NC-17. It's got lust in it. Uh, I mean, and it's caution. right there in the title. Um, but yes, anyway, this this episode is not for children. Also, the- Brokeback Mountain features mountains, so content warning on that as well. Okay. Anyway. If we're going off of the titles. Yes. Um, you want to talk about Less Caution first, or do you want to talk about Brokeback Mountain first? Um, I would like to, to to know why it is that it took you this long to see Brokeback Mountain. I, I, it, this it, has it occurred like to such me. such a touchstone film of its time. Well, I think I was, I was always really amazed at the discourse surrounding it in regards to the Academy Awards. I don't remember exactly when, which Academy Awards it was, but I it was do. back when... I remember this very clearly. I was going to Oscar parties, um, uh-huh. and I, I was, it was this big kind of just uh it was a big movie and it mm-hmm. was going to sweep all the awards and i uh, did heath ledger win i know ang lee won yes um, only won best director right and the film was nominated for best picture and it was and then crash it was the front, it. arguably the front runner for best picture as well but yeah the movie crash and it was this perceived and crash i have seen crash <laughs> and uh remember I, I think i listed the cast of crash before um, and Crash was okay, uh, it's kind of kind of bad. Uh, so it was this kind of big, um, yeah. Just Crash this... is ultra cringe. Yeah, uh, it yeah, was yeah. it was cringe then. I cannot imagine it has aged well. I, I wonder if anybody has seen that movie since anyone championing Crash. Whereas yeah. Brokeback Mountain has endured and oh, yeah. survived. But I uh, I uh, I was always like, so it was like a perceived homophobia, right? On the account on the of the. The Oscar people like to propagate like more racial political I, stuff. I, yeah, and... I don't know that it, it was necessarily homophobia that kept it from winning. I think there's you know the usual Oscar machinations and just I don't know splitting the ticket and so I mean because Ang Lee still won Best Director for this film. The film still very, really it's very well directed. Up. Yes. It cleaned up in a lot of other ways. It got a bunch of nominations. I don't think that really so... had anything to do with it, but I, I just think it's um, at the time the. It, it, it's its message was, I think, too subtle for a lot of Oscar voters. Whereas Crash, Crash comes like at hammer. you, it, it, it's yeah. about as subtle as a two by four to the head. Yes. Um, um, and I, I guess the the discourse surrounding it was at the time kind of pretty entertaining. But the the movie itself, I don't know. I I, I think it was one of those things where everyone's talking about it, so I wasn't mm-hmm. inclined to watch it. Oh, but I just do. You, you don't remember? I was also then. what? Yeah, like Jack Nicholson at the Oscars. Crash. Yeah, yeah but yeah. he sort of chuckles before he even reads it yeah, into yeah. the microphone. Just that moment of oh, oh, oh. crash. Well, that's <laughs> just to sort of like see everything burn. <laughs> the, the front runner didn't get it. I mean, it, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what it would do. And, well, he was yeah. also probably incredibly high. Probably. But, <laughs> but, I mean, he embraced the moment and, you know, um, kind of fed into this mythology that, yes. that came out of the moment. But uh, yes, I mean, if, if Crash won the battle, Brokeback Mountain. It's not like I watched Crash because it won Best Picture over Brokeback Mountain. No, no, no. And I mean, I, that's the thing. I mean, I don't think the Oscars actually dictate any of this beyond you know, the year that they're nominated. But I think the reason why I didn't watch it is pretty fundamental, Colleen. 
when I watch movies, I I don't seek out movies that I know are going to make me sad. While I'm watching movies, I don't mind being sad. In fact, I I rather enjoy the catharsis of it. But I think it, it's sort of a mental block with with knowing I will feel sad. Oh. So, like, this is a weird point of comparison, but I went the longest time without seeing Schindler's List, mm. probably for the same reason of just like, this will make me sad, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not, yeah. you know, super inclined to feel that way. Um, and so, I think with Brokeback Mountain, you know, as I matured and you know knew all this stuff about it and and could just see clips from it and images, I just was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to feel sad in that way. And, you know, maybe you can attribute that to many other movies I have not watched for similar reasons. But, hey, it's good. It is. It's really good. <laughs> it's oh, a yeah. very good movie. News flash. I know. I, a shocking discovery. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, very good movie. Yeah. Other news flash. Ang Lee, two-time Best Director winner, is a very good Ang Lee is such a... But, but boy, his a, output is really uneven. It is so uneven. Like, if you... <laughs> so, I was going to mention this, and this is a terrible thing to bring up right now. I've seen Gemini Man. I've not seen Gemini Man. And Gemini you, Man is a dumpster fire it for this particular episode. Well, it's sort of fascinatingly bad. Um, well. And and he would interview Will Smith, and he would have a digital representation of him, and he would show it off to Will Smith, and he would say, "Check out all of your pores <laughs> as a young man. I have digitally scanned you from all of these other like he Angley seems like the kind of guy." very much like a Peter Jackson mm-hmm. who gets sort of obsessed with technology. Yes. But if you were to watch Gemini Man and then Brokeback Mountain, you would have no concept that they were directed by the same person. See, I don't know. I see some, you know, there's real thought about form in all of the films I have seen of his. And I have not seen all of them, but even sort of before he gets into the digital stuff, um, which dates to, I don't know which, which, I mean, he does digital stuff in like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Which that's is true. Another I film forgot that, about, yeah. That's that, I mean, that was really the, the film. I mean, I shouldn't say that's the film. He's done so much other stuff, but I mean, that movie, the Hulk. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was the foreign film. Yes. The year it came out. And that was really, it was just a touchstone in so many ways. Yes. Now, the funny thing about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon that I have to say, this is another story from graduate school. Okay. And I remember mentioning, and this, this, <laughs> you might like this one too, Thailand, but mentioning this movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, to, you know, the, the circle of Turkish friends that I had, because I was dating my then boyfriend, now husband at the time, and just mentioning, oh, have you seen this movie? It's great. And the ones who had seen it would say... I saw it. It's not so great. What's so great about it? You've got people flying through the air. Like, <laughs> why, why is this original? I've seen Junaid Tarkin do this dozens of times. And of course, I had no idea who that was. But having seen Junaid Tarkin films now, I think this is exactly why they didn't think it was that special. <laughs> but it just to a person, they were like, yeah, this isn't so great. <laughs> I think I was. This history of, of Yeshul Chum and Junaid Tarkin action with this very improbable sort of gravity defying action. That everybody just thought it was so new and a breath of fresh air, and they're just like, it isn't, but that's okay. <laughs> I think I, I could appreciate the artistry of it. I was also in the not not that it was not so great, but that it was a tad overrated. I think my action uh, perspective is like fairly grounded sort mm-hmm. of stunts, maybe minimal wire work, and so that's why obviously like John Wick or even the Matrix, which is very mm-hmm. sort of stylized. There's, I mean, it, it gets increasingly ungrounded as it goes on, but. Um, I, I think with Crouching Tiger, the, the the obviousness of like, oh, they're not really flying. Like there was this perception, I guess, when I watched it of like wanting them to be more of a believable martial arts um, style. But that, I mean, that's that's a personal action movie 
reference. Yeah. But um, yeah. But Angley, yeah. I mean, he the, the technical aspects of that are fantastic. Yeah, Did yeah. he win any Academy Awards for that? For Crouching Tiger? Yeah. I don't. Um, he didn't. I guess he has two Best Director uh, wins. One for Brokeback Mountain, as we mentioned, and the other is for Life of Pi oh, okay. in twenty twelve. Okay. Which I have not seen. I've not. Which seen Life of Pi. I read the book. And so I feel like I've seen the movie, and I was trying to remember, have I actually seen the movie, or did I just read the book? And I think I only read the book. That was the one time, I want to say, where his technical form obsession kind of paid off. Because really? it was like it was done in 3D. Oh, oh I guess that's the thing. And yeah. it was a fully CGI mm-hmm. tiger. Yeah. And everyone was super impressed by that. Yeah. And this that's a really good example, I think. Having read the book and, and knowing that it was this big you know, technological innovation fest for yeah. for the film and he won these awards and and a lot of people who had read the book were very satisfied with the movie and this and that it's that kind of adaptation that exists almost precisely to show off cinematic technology yeah there's like a whole category there's been scholarship on this okay um but anyway like that that falls into that category and i'm i, I mean I'm, i read the book and was like okay <laughs> it was not my favorite book I, I you know anyway that was before children so i <laughs> i had time to read stuff like that uh but hulk i i feel like I'm in the minority. I really enjoyed his take on the Hulk. And this was the Hulk before there was such a thing as really yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Comic book movies were not such a I've not seen strict... Hulk, by You've the not way. seen Hulk. No. It's worth it. I like the Hulk. It's I... flawed. In, I mean... In, I've seen in... clips of the yeah. Hulk trying his darndest to save people that he is smashing, <laughs> which felt like a bit of a contradiction. Like well, he's swinging around a tank... But then he's also like trying to get the people out of the tank while he's swinging it's... it. And I'm like, Hulk would not do that. <laughs> also, the CGI has not aged very well. No, but the, yeah. The uh, the style of it, yeah. I, I could tell, was very cool. Yeah, sort of pulling like the, the comic book panels and like, yeah. putting that onto the screen. I mean, it's it's a really interesting um, crossover of form again, taking the the original form of the Hulk and sort of paying homage to that in film. I mean, it's 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 clear that you know Ang Lee is really thinking about this. No matter what he's doing, he's thinking about form. Yeah. And even in films like the two that we're talking about, yes. where you know there's no need for big you know pyrotechnic style. It's almost flashy... like he's he, he centers himself on the form, mm-hmm. and then he becomes so immersed in that 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 kind of carries him through the emotional kind of through line of the story. Yeah. And then if there is no if there is no emotional through line intrinsic to the form, you you end up with Gemini Gemini man. Um <laughs> where it's just sort of like I could make another Will Smith, you know, it, there's no other there's no other real point to it. Um one isn't enough, really. Yeah. One isn't enough. Hollywood it's needs it's a couple really of clones fascinatingly of uh, it's one of those scripts I think was that that was kind of thrown around. It's one of those cases mm. where man, a script really makes a big difference. Ah, well, um, well, and he's worked with some notable screenwriters too. He has a, a longtime screen screenwriting partner, James Seamus, where like half his filmography is oh, okay. is co-authored with the same guy, and that again crosses all these genres, which was I think is really interesting. Brokeback Mountain based off of anything else? Uh, yes, two um, writers. A short story yeah. that I think was in. Um, New, I was New Yorker magazine or something. Annie Pruel, yeah, uh, was the author of the of the short. She story. She co-wrote the screenplay. She yes, I think she had a hand in the screenplay. So it's a contemporary tale brought to the screen, um, as with a lot of these, actually. You um, know, Ang Lee's all fun and all, but can we talk about Heath Ledger? Oh God, yeah. Aww. Poor Heath. <laughs> I mean, good God, was he a good actor? I he I, really I had was. not seen. I mean, Joker, obviously. Oh. But goodness gracious, is he good in Brokeback Mountain? He re- he's just heartbreaking. He's completely transformative. Yeah. 
Um, his sort of, I can't do an impression of him. No. Nor would I want to. But his sort of just like mumbly. Yeah. It made it very difficult to understand what the hell they were saying at oh, certain see, points. That's but, not an accent you grew up with then. Because uh, I watched the that. Heath and I think Ledger, he, Brokeback Mountain He accent? sounds no. like 90% of the middle-aged men that that were around. Were you in childhood. Wyoming? No. But it is it's it is a rural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal was more understandable. Yes. Um, but but just completely transformative, completely immersed in the role. And I think he had a harder task. No, I love Jake Gyllenhaal, too. But Jake Gyllenhaal is more kind of openly attracted to him, at least initially in the yeah. story. Oh, he's just, yeah. He's more he's, of a flirt. He immediately just... starts shaving when he sees him. I thought that was great. <laughs> um, but it was this thing where... I really enjoyed the movie, but I kind of wanted it to dwell on them <laughs> broke back mountain a little bit more because there was a sense that Heath Ledger's performance was so good as this sort of emotionally neutered kind of restrained person who has this outburst of rage and passion and all the rest of it. Um, emotion, um, that by the time they started sort of sleeping together on the mountain, I kind of wanted more of a build up to that or just more of them being happy together i guess because mm-hmm. it immediately the movie gets into really heartbreaking sort of territory once you see how their lives kind of fracture yeah and i guess the movie i wanted is not the movie that was there but i wanted there's a part where jake gyllenhaal says um all we have is brokeback mountain kind of and i kind of wanted to see more of that there are clips and flashbacks to them being like tender with each other and i kind of just wanted to spend more time on that part of it and i think that would have made some of the places that the movie goes more because I don't know, based off of Heath Ledger's sort of performance, he, I don't, I didn't really get the, I, I wanted to see more evidence of that kind of mutual attraction initially. And I understand this is a very sort of nitpicky thing, but um, he initially is like, what are you doing in the, in the tent, which was great. But then it's sort of like, I mean, I guess they're drunk on whiskey, but um, I don't know. I kind of wanted more of a flirtatious kind of, build up because it seemed a bit abrupt because the movie's like two hours long and it and it goes into more kind of sad territory with the families that they build up after yeah. the fact and i understand that that is an important part of the story but mm-hmm. does that make sense if, uh, in terms uh, yeah. of wanting them to be happy yes longer i mean well i but i think that's that's exactly <laughs> what the movie wants you to feel and yeah. it also shows you why that's not possible i mean it's yeah again it's this it's the sense of impossibility that's core to the melodrama like you can yeah. sort of see the goal and cannot achieve it and it's it's the cannot achieveness of of that but i think they situation. just they, they had such good chemistry together and oh the, yeah and the... everybody did everyone in that movie i think also the spouses that they yeah. have like have really uh you know can i just say on a side note i mean I was kind of getting into the idea of being like hit on by Anne Hathaway <laughs> and, and her prime, just like a, a, a woman on a on a horse, you know, winking at me. I, I put myself in the in the Jake Gyllenhaal perspective in that moment. Um, but yeah, Michelle Williams is really great yeah. too, and, yeah. and very vulnerable. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that was part of the the yeah. point is that they wanted me to be. Uh, to see them in their in their happiest, and the, the movie was sort of yeah, yeah but that, that, disallowing me yeah. of that that wonder and yes. beauty. But fleeting the, achievement and the fleetingness is really the point. Yeah, I feel Carol is structured in a very similar okay. way. Okay, yeah, which we we have not yet done our um, Todd Haynes episode because but, yeah. uh, uh, not to we should do that next. You can see kind of the the. Uh, the lesbian bookend, as it were. But I didn't even think of it. Yeah, you're right. It is sort of melodramatic. A lot mm-hmm. of um, 
just wonderful shots yeah. of the scenery and Gorgeous. the sky and the yeah. clouds and the um the uh the just the general uh aesthetics of it and cinematography i i did and i'm sorry to be nitpicky but these things are like getting in the way a little bit but like um the music i thought was like a little obtrusive i don't know how long it's been since you've seen brokeback mountain in a while yeah. but the movie was like dominated especially with heath ledger by like silences and like not n- not being overly you know emotional or trying to hold it in and be restrained and then you have this music that goes like and it's sort of like forcing the emotional hand of the movie where the visuals and the performances were already sort of captivating and emotionally engaging enough without there needing to be this kind of pervasive guitar twang um, to it. So that kind of bothered me. Also, the fact that that when they get older, they just grow out their sideburns a little bit more. (laughs) This is like over the course of like 20 years. I think that's the t- the time frame that we're looking at as well, because it's not contemporary as far as I remember. It's, yeah, it's, it's 1963 is yes. when it starts. So yeah. that, yeah, that's another. But Jake Gyllenhaal sort of changes his voice to sound a little bit more older. Okay. Um, but but they they don't look that much older, um, and so that was a little yeah. distracting. As for someone who's so obsessed with a youthful Will Smith, you know, I, I guess he wasn't really thinking about how to. Um, kind of uh, age up uh, Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Okay. So I just looked up the composer. Yeah. I don't remember the music, but it's Gustavo Santaolalla. It wasn't that the music was bad. It was more no. that it was, its usage it's... was a little bit overdone. He slightly. did the score as well for um, the Che Guevara movie. Che? Um, no, not that one. Oh. Um, uh, with uh, Gael Garcia Bernal. Oh, I've not seen that. Oh, it's it, it's wonderful, and it, the score is wonderful. But it is this sort of... I, I could understand why that doesn't map necessarily, very obviously, on this one. Well, just like the, the, the silences and the, the stillness and the and the natural beauty of it, um, yeah. and that yeah. sort of being paralleled with their relationship. But I like how also immediately, you know, things are... You know, I love my dread... <laughs> um, I do like immediately their first night together, a lamb or a sheep gets killed. Mm. And you're like, Ugh. Um, but at least, you know, yeah. they have more tender moments after that. At least yeah. Heath Ledger's not immediately, um, what is his name? Uh, Ellis and Ennis. Jack, yes. Ennis Ennis and and Jack, Jack. Jack yeah. Twist. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I, I think. Yeah, it was it was very emotional. I think I was more emotionally moved by like the collateral damage. Yes. Um, yes. The the children. Uh huh. Um, just him not being willing to to be there for them because of kind of what they represent, and Michelle Williams is kind of just just here's the thing. <laughs> this is a very dumb comment, but if you're gonna be reunited with your long lost secret cowboy lover. And you, you, you're gonna, you're gonna kiss him. Maybe move to like a, like a hidden spot of a stairwell. Do you remember this in the movie? They're Jack Twist home, sends yes. a postcard, yeah. and they are reunited, and they they start kissing, and he like moves him into a stairwell, and it's like right in full view of the front of the house, and that's how Michelle Williams sees. Well, and I'm thinking like, can you just like go behind a? Well, it's, it's it's the mentality as well, like the sanctity of the home, just. 
you know, just to really partition off these parts of himself. And it's unsustainable, of course. And, yeah. and that just underscores how unsustainable it actually is. Yes. They go fishing, which I think is a... And they don't bring back any fish. A, and that's a nice also, euphemism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out to David Harbour. Does anyone know who David Harbour is? Speaking of fish. <laughs> anyway, that's a great joke. I, I didn't even think about that. You know who David Harbour is? No, I have no idea. He had a recent resurgence. He is the sheriff in the hit TV show, Stranger Things. And he plays the man who Jake Gyllenhaal runs off with oh. instead of Heath Ledger. And I went, Aww. David! <laughs> You're a bit of character actor for years. Here you are with a twinkle in your eye. Um, not This is a totally unrelated thing. David Harbour is in a thing on Netflix called Frankenstein's Monster's Monster Frankenstein, which is one of the silliest. I'm sorry. Frankenstein's Monster Monster Frankenstein. Something like that. It's a bunch of Frankenstein and monster put together grammatically somewhat correct. And uh, it's a little it's goofy. Like sentence. It's a little goofy short with that David Harbour made oh. for no apparent reason. And it's on Netflix and it has like Alfred Molina and, oh. and good people in it. And it's just a goof and it's 40 minutes long. And if I ever met uh, David Harbour, I would say, I appreciate you putting this into the world. Okay. Um, not at all relevant to Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I like David Harbour infinitely more because of that short. And he's really good in Stranger Things as well. He became kind of a sensation after that. Um, so it was nice to see him in this. There's a lot of yet yeah, random talent. Uh, Kate Mara, or uh... yeah, and so many like sort of before they made it huge. Yes, or yeah. or like sort of pivot points in in the career. with Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, yeah. yes, this was a pivot point for her. Michelle Williams, I think as well. It was yeah. a pivot point for her. Um, obviously, Heath Ledger. You yeah. Know, Gosh, I have, just... I really have not seen. I mean, we were discussing Jake Gyllenhaal before. Yeah. I, I've been following Jake Gyllenhaal for a while, but yes. with Heath Ledger, it's been like. Joker, yeah, and Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus, oh, yes, which, which is an unfortunate, right? Um, and I guess Knight's Tale. I saw the poster <laughs> for that. I um, mean, yeah, <laughs> he, he's allowed his misses because <laughs> he. No, Are you I'm saying sure Knight's he... Tale is a miss? I, a lot of people in my I generation know. would disagree with you. Oh, oh, a lot I didn't of people realize there was movie. a cult following. Yes, uh, well, he's very attractive in that. And they, and... Is is there a movie where he's not attractive? Uh, the Joker. Uh... Oh, well, okay. <laughs> well, that's mm, I would. That's probably arguable. I don't disagree with you, but I think I, there would be. So people... this is a weird anecdote. I once dressed up as the Joker. Because and it was, and it, and the Heath Ledger one, and women were weirdly attracted to it. This, I'm telling you, this is what happens with the, with the villains. Um, it's a different kind of attraction. He's really, he's really not attractive to me in The Dark Knight. But anyway, uh, you um, didn't even like the dancing in Magic Mike XXL. So I mean, if if somehow Heath Ledger's Joker showed up in Magic <laughs> Mike XXL and did a little striptease, um, oh. but anyway. Uh, Brokeback Mountain, very beautiful, sweet, tender film. Yeah. Um, holds up, I would imagine. Holds up. Yeah. Uh, worth a revisit. Worth revisiting. Just the pacing of it and mm -hmm. the shots and mm -hmm. just, and that's what I mean by there is such an attention to the, you know, the emotional vulnerability of the film. Like the, uh, when Jake Gyllenhaal, he does this several times, and this is kind of what I wanted to see more of, but he, he says, it's okay. He's like the idea that, um, Ennis needs to be sort of coaxed into being emotionally vulnerable. Yes, yes. And and that and the movie has that kind of that kind of quality of mm -hmm. emotional vulnerability that yeah. I think is very 
it's very tragic, but it's yeah. also very uh, effective. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I mean, uh, again, it's one of those things where you recommend a good movie, and it's yeah. like, well, yeah, of course, it's <laughs> it's, it's a great yeah. it's a great film. It is. It uh, makes you want to go camping. I, I mentioned that they start <laughs> drinking whiskey, and I was like, well, I'll join them and drink some whiskey with so them. So you don't feel alone. Yeah. Uh, whenever like I see characters drinking whiskey in a movie, I feel like <laughs> joining them. Um, yeah. Obviously, the drinking gets more depressing as it goes on. Um, but uh, Yes. Yeah. But um, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful film. I'd say, uh, Lust Caution is no less beautiful. Yeah. So you enjoyed it. I, I, I did. The first movie is Lust. Second yeah. movie is Caution. She's Lust and he's Caution. We can oh. get to this. We can get to this. I, I mean, honestly, I have been working through theories about what on earth we're supposed to take from this movie. Wow. No, but Lust, That's fantastic. Lust Caution really is no less beautiful than Brokeback Mountain in its way. It is much more restrained. We don't see a whole lot of um, the scenery. No. Um, but it has a lot of attention to mise-en-scene A lot of, well. yes. It is a period piece yes. um, from the late 30s and early 40s. The moment being depicted is the Japanese occupation of Shanghai. Yes. Um, and just the sort of, well, just well, really just colonial Asia. And so Shanghai is one main setting, and there's often references to Hong Kong. And of course, Hong Kong had the British and I believe the Americans, and just, you know, the West was all over Hong Kong at the time. Um, the, the, the lead character, uh, played by Tang Wei, uh, what's, her, what's her character name? Uh, Wang Chiachi, I'm apologizing in advance for butchering all of the I'll like, lovely I'll let you Chinese names. I'll handle all the names. Uh... I, well, I, well, I don't know if I'm going to do much better. But anyway, uh, Wang Chiachi's father has moved to Britain. We don't meet him. He's in England. At one point, he sends her a letter and says he's remarried. And on the photograph is uh, a white woman, presumably a British woman, that he has married. So we have these sort of layers of colonialism yes. coming to Asia. And they're, they're, they're re- referred to both obliquely and overtly. But anyway. Um, it's almost like, a, and, and it's been a while since I've seen it. I mean, I yeah. we, we talk about the second half being more kind of uh, immediately impactful for obvious reasons but yeah that's um, the lust right there that's all the lust but uh, holy moly <laughs> I, I feel like i've traumatized you no Colleen, with my we'll, we'll get to it but i there is almost like a tick like the colonialization it's almost like a ticking clock mm-hmm. element to it right from what i remember there's just this sense that the walls are sort of closing in on this this small band of 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 kids primarily, right? Well, constantly, yeah. yes. But but I mean, there's a certain point, sort of towards the end of this, is sort of the transition into the final act, as it were. It sort of comes out that even you know Tony Lung's character, who yeah. is part of the colonial administration, kind of is working for the Japanese as some kind of minister. Um, and it comes out that one of his jobs is to kind of squelch the opposition and, you know, root them out and so on. And this is, of course, what you know, Wang Chechi is. She's a spy and, you know, she has a yeah. long story with recruitment. And anyway, there, there's a whole lot of plot involved, but we're here to talk about Ang Lee. So we'll talk about how he filmed all of this stuff. Um, anyways, she uh, she is a spy and she, you know, let's how, how much of the ending do we spoil? We I don't have I don't to really talk about. I, I think we can talk about its emotional effectiveness, but I think the yeah. ending is one of the reasons why it is always stuck in my head. Yeah. So I don't really so, want to spoil that. But what I will okay. say about Lust Caution, to its detriment, is it is a very, you know, stately 
three hour long two movie. and a half hour two two hours forty minutes something okay like okay that. not um, quite three hours but it feels it feels long I mean it's it's a it is it's, it's an yeah. investment is what I was trying it is. to say yeah and so uh, but I would highly encourage you uh, at least for me to 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 when I got to the ending it all felt incredibly worthwhile mm-hmm. in a way that um you know movies. Movies often rely on the the kind of emotional gut punch of an ending, mm-hmm. and this one especially does. So, it's maybe a bit dry uh, as a movie, especially initially. Um, and I think that that was one of the main criticisms that yes. I heard about it. Yeah, it did not it do gangbuster business right. or anything. I mean, I don't, NC seventeen. It's very hard. NC seventeen. This is also true. Yes. And it earns the NC seventeen. Yes, and it earns. Holy it, cow! Well, it earns it. <laughs> really. <laughs> Uh, The the characters are absolutely getting it on on camera. This would qualify as softcore pornography, I think, by pretty much any definition. Colleen, come on, it's art. It art. It's artful. Um, No, I'm not saying it isn't artful, but but I mean, just how many NC17 films have you seen? so many okay uh, another one that i've recommended that is on our list is nc17 by the way which one uh killer joe oh is it yes i didn't realize this with mcconaughey yeah with mcconaughey oh you see a lot of mcconaughey in it oh, well. but there are, it's more a general depravity which is ah. that's why that's one it's, well it's, this uh, starts off as depravity too in yeah. a sort of different way and i think that's kind of what makes it shocking but but yeah i mean my question to you yesterday when we tried not to do the podcast before we do the podcast was does the film earn the NC-17, like, yes, yes, it's very graphic sex yes. scenes. Are they there for a purpose? And, and yes. absolutely yes. I think just really categorically yes. There is no way you can make sense of what the film is trying to do yes. without showing this in, yes. in its detail, Yes, to be honest. And that, that I think... I mean, we, we take it's, that... It's a matter of taste, I suppose. It is a, um, well, it is a matter of taste, but, I mean, she... So... Anyways, there is a kind of trajectory, and and I, I I because it's so long, I started it. I watched the first half, yeah. and I texted you and I said, "Tony Lung has not so much as unbuttoned his vest." Where's I like the what's fact that going he's, on? He's associated with vests all the time. I have <laughs> he to is, say he's that he's wearing these, you know, fancy suits. When I first watched Less Caution*, it was part of a, a graduate student movie night. Oh, someone brought it, and uh, and and I had no idea who Tony. Lung was, and I was like, "Oh, this this is going to be interesting." You know, watching it with a group of my peers. I, I think uh, my wife was there, as well, and uh, so I had no idea that he was the like oh, the man. the I guess the Brad Pitt or the the big star uh, person. And then watching in the mood for love, it's like, "Oh, okay." Oh, when yeah. he's more more, uh, he he does not unbutton his vest. No, uh, hardly at all. That's no. part of the point. But yes, in the mood for love is about longing and not yes. fulfillment. And, and this now, one boy. And now he's Ooh. in Shang Chi. What, which, the, which I have not seen. Yes, but he, yes. It's a, it's a different, it's a different vibe. But he is so grumpy in uh, <laughs> Lust Caution. Like he, he's very handsome, obviously, but he, 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 he comes across very um, kind of downplayed, at least given the the yes. type of role that he's doing. So mm-hmm. I, 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 he's really good in the movie, but I would never have thought that it was a a big star necessarily. Ah, was well, he? Yeah, he's great. Yeah. In everything, except maybe maybe not Shang Chi. <laughs> I can't speak to the Marvel. Universe. I just saw him running around with a bunch of CGI rings, and I went, oh. "Okay, I'm not really in the mood for this right now." I'm not sure he was either. I'm not in the mood for this love. Uh, <laughs> anyway, good joke. Okay, a bunch of people passed out listening to the podcast <laughs> in, in fury. No, we can't even pass out yet. So, anyways, <laughs> so anyways, um, so 
Wang Chachi gets involved in this in, yes. in a student group, a student theater group, where you know the the leader is uh, is a real like idealistic yes. kid who recruits all of them after they do this very you know, patriotic play of resistance uh, to actually become spies. And wouldn't it be great if we assassinated this this guy, Tony Leung's character, uh, Mister? What is it? Yi Lee, something like that. Um, anyway, let's 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 try and assassinate him, and this and this and this. And so they make an attempt, and it gets botched pretty thoroughly. But in in the process of the attempt, it's it's very clear that like this leader has a very big crush on Wang Chichi. It goes completely unfulfilled. Um, in order to seduce this guy, she goes through some very cringy sexual yeah. emotions with a, a different male member of the group because apparently he's a rich kid and has paid money for prostitutes. And so therefore he's the only one, Ugh. he's the only one of this group who has apparently gotten laid. I had <laughs> forgotten about that. Detail. Which is just, th that's the whole first half is basically this like, I just remember the prolonged wrote, failed uh, murder or the, the it's yes. not failed, but it's, it's, they, they do murder a guy. They successfully murder a guy who most, has sniffed them out. But it's the as most a resistance. Un uncomfortable murder. It is, it is. Hysterical and, and nightmare. It is really, I mean, it's almost comic in yes. retrospect. It's horrifying when you're watching it. Yes. And then you look back on it and go, oh, my God, they had no idea what they were doing. And then the second half of the movie, you know, she she runs off. Like, they do this really yeah. botched murder. She ends up running off, but apparently the resistance had been watching this this very amateurish cell of theater people and absorbed them, basically covered everything up for them. And years later, we fast forward a bit, and she, you know, this Wong Cha, she's still around. She's, you know, very poor, trying to, you know, make her way. She tells people she's going through school, and she's just watching a bunch of movies. Anyway, she runs into this leader guy who'd had a crush on her and, you know, this unrequited love affair or whatever. Um, and he recruits her back. And, okay, you managed to get so close to this guy the last time. Right. Do it again. And you have then, not been outed yet. Yes, basically. she yeah. has not been outed, and the rest of them also, I guess, have not been outed because they, man you know, the actual resistance managed to clean up so thoroughly yeah. after them. So they're, you know, they sort of resume. She resumes her place within this this cell, and then successfully seduces this guy. Which and is then we find out that, like, yeah, his ideologies are apparently very suspicious. But man, <sighs> we can bleep this out later. But oh, the guy. And yes. it's like, finally, <laughs> this is basically how it happened. This is the thing. But there's no it's, caution yet. It's he's just the caution. The, he's the is, caution. She's the lust. Not in the bedroom. The caution. Well, but but yes. I mean, so I mean, this is this is the one that, trope that that, yeah. that was a very memorable bit, and we've sort of talked about we talked about this a little bit before. But the the seduction scene. Is yeah. this like weird? It's a weird assault by, on his on his a, level. It's very clearly an assault. Like there, it is quite right. violent. But yeah, I mean, it, it blossoms into this. You know, it does. So it's this weird uh, juxtaposition, and it yeah, and and it's difficult to know that that out reading that, knowing where the movie goes, that always kind of stuck with me is like just a very odd because it's like a, a bunch of power plays because she's trying to seduce him yeah and then he has to like regain control of the seduction basically right. mm -hmm. and it's just a very kind of icky start to what is eventually kind of a beautifully filmed like artful sex scenes basically sure yeah yeah it starts out with that really awful trope of like basically you know raping a woman into consent. right submission yeah, yeah right and 
and I'm like, Ayn Rand does this. <laughs> but it's <laughs> difficult to, to know that if know. that's like part of her plan well, she, also. Well, I mean, she doesn't much have a choice. I mean, this yeah, is that's the, also thing, part this of is the it, yeah. thing about this narrative is because she is involved with this ring of spies and this is exactly what she's supposed to be doing. Right. She doesn't have much of a choice. Like if she... If she, if she nopes out of the affair after right. this, then she is totally, you know, just removing herself from the situation again. And she's in too deep and she's, you know, so she has a reason to sort of grit her teeth and carry on. Which is part of the horror. Which slightly. is part of the horror of it. But yes, eventually there is this this sort of, you know, emotional awakening that she has. Yeah. Through this very physical relationship that she has with this man, and and yes, again, like his politics are abhorrent to her. She, you know, he stands for ev- literally for everything she's fighting against. He is what she is fighting against. Yes. and yet there's this, there's this. I mean, at least there's a guy who, because her compatriots. We can't bleep out are, everything you say. Yes, you can. <laughs> you could probably even do it with that little machine recorder. But it's just. But honestly, like this, this is this is her central yeah concern. And this is why it makes sense that, like, we have to see this because we have to see, like, right. actual incompetence with, like, people in the right mind. And there, there's so many, like, encounters with this guy who has this unrequited thing for her. Well, I mean, not even unrequited. Like, she likes him and he likes her and he just doesn't do anything about there it. There are elements when we talk and, about it, not to yeah. mention the, the name of the beast, uh, but there are elements that feel very Hitchcockian, which I maybe responded to. And the idea of kind of a, a woman having to put herself in this you know, physically vulnerable position in the case yeah. of like a notorious and there's yeah. the unrequited thing with the guy and then as a spy and then mm-hmm. also even the uh, having a really hard time murdering someone. Uh, <laughs> that is also in a Hitchcock film where they, oh. they, they can't kill him and I think they put him at his head in an oven and it's a horrifying <laughs> kind of comical scene. So I want to say yeah. there's a through line mm-hmm. of Hitchcock kind of running through this. Obviously, yeah. Hitchcock would not go for the graphic uh, sex scenes. Well, I mean, which... he's working under the code, so. Right. But yeah, I do think it's, it is, and that was, and not to spoil the ending, but I do think it is one of those things where we talk about this kind of conversation that you have with a movie, and while you're watching Less Caution, you're like, wow, this is a very stately, very well-mounted historical picture. I like all these espionage oh, things. That's a bad joke. What did I say? <laughs> well-mounted. I didn't, well, you made it into a joke. I didn't mean for it to be one. Um, and it's very stately, and it's very well done. It's very beautiful. And then you get to the graphic sex scenes, and you're like, huh, okay. Well, this is engaging, but what what does this mean? And because it kind of goes on for so long, you're kind of immersed in her perspective. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, by the end, it kind of clicks. Yeah. And and, it, and it's sort of this beautiful, um, this beautiful kind of moment where you really get what the movie is is trying to say, and it, and it is this kind of horrifying it, it, there was a review that i saw that was talking about like the, the army turning women into to horrors basically or like the 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 notion that it's this men or it's this unrequited male relationship that is kind of pushing her in this direction but i think the movie kind of complicates yeah. that nicely because she's rather enjoying it yes um and so it, it is a i don't know it's a very I, I, it has always stuck with me. Maybe it was the awkwardness yeah. of watching it with a group of my peers. Maybe. No, but. and then the men just consistently fail to understand what she is going through right. until it yeah. is too late right. to do anything else. Yeah. Like like when the, you know, her her friend from college tells her after she has been, you know, brutally assaulted by yeah. her target, 
Um, I, you know, I, I'll see that no one will ever hurt you. I promise. Like, buddy, you were so late to this train. Yeah. And then, you know, then some, uh, sometime later, you know, they're meeting and, and she's about to go into this very dangerous encounter and, and he just very chastely kisses her and she just looks at him like, yeah. and, and just tells him, why couldn't you have done this three years ago? Right. And that's when, again, like that's sort of, that's the linchpin of the entire movie. I think is yeah. you are way past Whatever's going on here, I mean, and she tries to sort of unload this emotion onto you know the the leader and yeah. and her friend, and they they cannot grasp what she is going through. What's yeah. what the emotional toll of this is on her? They just don't get it. And here's where you're going to cancel the podcast again, and I'm going to make a comparison oh, to Blies Les Valses again. It is it is uh. that that terrible awkward scene on the train. Which is again one of the yeah. most problematic scenes in the train, that. where these two guys basically coerce a woman w- through money yes. to grant them sexual favors. Sort of it starts off yeah. as as a barely consensual yeah. assault, and then it, and then as it goes on, she she's the one who's yep. she she gains control through her own pleasure, and yeah. the guys have absolutely no idea what's going That's on. A, that is a fair and, yes. Comparison. And Sue Harris, um, who has written on Blié, basically says like this: she is looking at these guys and visually pleading with them to understand what she is going through, and that is exactly what Tang Wei, as the performer, is doing in this movie with these very clueless yeah. resistance guys, who just they they just don't. They really just they they do not get it, and and then there's the you know the opening up when when Tony Lung sort of opens up about oh yeah these Japanese you know, like they they sing like they're dying or whatever it is that he says I mean when he basically comes clean a little bit and says yeah. like, I don't like these guys this is this is my and they're gonna lose anyway because the, now the Americans are involved in the war and this and this it's it's just sort of you know she kind of sees that he's also trapped in his circumstances right, at right. the moment and that sort of evens the ground a little bit he becomes a bit more emotionally vulnerable. yes but yeah he we, does uh, we were talking about this in relation to um and we don't have to go into it because there's probably a whole episode with anna lily i'm a poor but uh the idea in one of her shorts that i watched recently the idea of men just not getting uh, a woman's kind of uh, emotional uh or just not willing to accept kind of what a woman is going through emotionally or refusing to acknowledge it. I don't even know if refusal is it. It's just there are limits of empathy. Yeah. 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 Like just not knowing all that you do not know. Yeah. Believing that there's a handle on this situation. You have no handle on the situation. (laughs) And it just, it just, there's a total disconnect that happens. And yes, there's, there's something similar, but I think the stakes are much lower. And this is, you're talking about, you know, Del Toro's Cabinet of yeah. Curiosities episode that Anna Lily Amirpour, what was the title of this? The Outside? The Outside. The yeah. Outside, yes. Um, well-meaning, but clueless husband. Yes, um, clueless, resistant, uh, resistance fighters. Well, and and the, the resistance there is also a bit more milk toast compared to what's going on in colonial Shanghai. But anyway. Yes, yes, yes. There's um, a different... Uh, context for yeah it. so i mean in lots of of, of um, visual themes for loyalty um she's always dressed in blue um there are dogs all over the place you know that sort of comment of the first shot of the film is a german shepherd which is you know which I, i'm thinking like wait what <laughs> we see this the same dog or at least you know a different german shepherd sort of around there's you know the white dog that he's got that the, you know, the wife is um, gently patting on its head. I just, yeah, all these sort of reminders of loyalty. And then the question just becomes, well, what is it that we have to be loyal to right. ultimately? And you know, when you've got, you know, five different layers of colonialism going on, like her own father married a Brit <laughs> colonizing Hong Kong. It's just sort of like, well, 
Yeah. What exactly are we fighting against here? Who are we fighting for? What's bound to happen after this defeat? I mean, it just sort of, yeah. And so the, the, she loses her idealism for sure. And anyways, yeah. The rest but, is history. Oh, yeah. It was a very worthwhile film, Wickham. I appreciate the recommendation. You're welcome. Yeah. Sometimes I can do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's no funny games, but you know, well, it gets the job done. No, I think can't it's very. Lose them all, I think it's very underrated, and I think that, I, I agree with that. I think it is underrated, and I think that it, uh, yeah, it it really it really stuck with me in a profound way, and mm-hmm. I think it, it's NC seventeen ness, and yep. I earned NC seventeen. It's earned, but I think yeah. that's what has kind of kept people sort of Probably. at arm's length, and I yeah. think that if you can handle some explicit sexual content, it's not like it's. It's like uh, trashy or um, like aggressively objectifying. You know, it's it's not a very it, it's not a bad. Uh, you know, you can think about ways that it, something can be NC seventeen and it can be kind of gross. It, it doesn't really have that uh, quality to it. It's yeah. very purposeful and beautifully filmed. Yeah. And I think that yeah, uh, you mentioned well, you mentioned the softcore porn angle. I think that's well, I mean, a bit disrespectful. Well, to no, the, but I think technically it falls under that maybe review. that'll get more people to watch it i don't know i mean it it, it could with tony <laughs> i mean who would, tony who could say no to that who could say no to tony it's the sequel to in the mood for love no you that's finally... 2046 where he also gets it on oh actually. okay 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 um not quite as explicitly as this one that, should... that i think is an r are you gonna write a paper on this on 2046 or on just when on... tony lung gets it on no 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 I, you I'm... seem to be very well first <laughs> I'm not. I teach in the mood for love, though. That's I mean, true. That's, you know, my, my grand theory is you get one thirst watch per that's syllabus. Right. That's and right. my thirst watch. It'd be, it'd be interesting to try love. to teach less caution. Oh, no. Oh, no. 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 Um, I mean, but, if we can't, t- if I won't teach um, Double Life of Veronique, then this is right out. So. <laughs> Another Gemini Man connection. Ah. Um, no, Ang Lee, uh, Ang Lee uh, very, very uh, inconsistent, but man, when he hits. He really does. He hit. does. Yeah. He does hit, and it's it's a combination of technical and emotional mm-hmm. uh, empathy, and uh, yeah. not technical empathy. I don't know what that is, uh, but just well, using form to express yes, this kind yes, of empathy. And of yes. course, you know, when the forms themselves, especially the digital forms, when they are new, you're going to have some missteps. I mean, I, I like it, yeah. to think that those technical failures are productive in that they show what, what can be done, what might not be worth doing. <laughs> you haven't seen Gemini. <laughs> I have not seen Gemini. Man. I, don't, but I mean, again, it's productive it's... to talk about how unproductive it is. But th- but, exactly. Um, yes. Exactly. I mean, I think we have to have failures <laughs> of new technology before we kind of decide well, what is it worth doing. I think it's high time he made another good movie, let's say, though. I think well, Life yeah. of Pi was kind of his... That's he, true. He made like a I weird Woodstock true. thing. and yes. With Dimitri Martin, who I rather like. Yeah, but um, I, it's been a it's been a bit. So, it has, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I check. I mean, Billy Flynn's Mountain. long halftime yeah, yeah. walk. Yeah, Ter- I mean, terrible title. Also based on something else. He does a lot of adaptations, and and that one is also about Afghanistan. I or think or something. Oh, um, it's yeah. shot like at a higher frame rate, but yes, um, the frame rate thing. But give uh, obviously you probably should have seen Brokeback Mountain already, just as I have. But oh uh, yeah. Lust Caution is very underrated. Yeah. Again, if you can handle it, and mm-hmm. I, I think Ang Lee is one of those directors wh- where you just you you are curious at least about kind of what he is doing. Mm-hmm. And I guess I Lust Caution, I would not have watched it if it weren't for this recommendation because I was not, I had not seen Brokeback Mountain at that point, and so it was it was a lovely surprise. So yeah. hopefully you can surprise yourselves with. A known and not so known 
entity. Yeah, surprise your colonialist target <laughs> with a with an impromptu screening of lust caution. <laughs> yes, it'll be See surprising. See where that takes you. Yeah, it'll be surprising. Hopefully, regardless. only one person is there to dispose of you quickly, um, as opposed to five people incompetently throwing you downstairs or whatever happens you were to going that poor with guy. Hopefully, there's no disposal going on as no, you watch no, a movie no. together. Yes. But uh, would you like to send us out? Or not? That's our episode. You Made Me Watch That is a production of the Department of Communication and Design at Bill Kent University. You can support the podcast by subscribing with your favorite audio app and by following the Bill Kent Cinema Society on Instagram at Bill Kent Cinema. Our cover art was designed by Denis Varitungur, and our weekly thumbnails are designed by Ali Eren Celebi. Our theme music was composed by Dazi Ozovsky, who you can also follow on Instagram and Spotify. This episode was produced by Tylan Akal and the Bilkent Cinema Society with extra Teshek Yerler to our tech wrangler, Ozjan Akaj. Do you have any special thanks for us this episode? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I kind of want to... I, I, it's a lot of pressure. I, I don't... I want to give special thanks to... Uh, I'd like to thank Tony Lung for everything. I would like to thank... Heath Ledger, oh, and I want I want to see more of his films. It occurred to me on the way in that I had just seen Brothers Grimm, and he's in that mm-hmm. with Monica Bellucci as famous the red French woman, famous French actress Monica Bellucci, who is the Red Queen, who is actually that. Italian. But I, I guess a special thanks to yeah these these great uh, performers. Yeah. You all were well directed, but man, did you sell your your roles? Thank yeah. you, thank you, Wickham. Thank you, Colin. 